The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost comes from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 13. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision of all, a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. Denounce him, let us denounce him. Say all my close friends, watching for my fall. Perhaps will he perhaps he will be deceived. Then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind. Let me see your vengeance upon them, for, you have, for to you have I committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For you, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our God and Father, from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Poor Jeremiah. <laughs> He's not called the weeping prophet for nothing. Of course, he weeps uh, for his brethren, for Israel, to whom he brings the word of God and who are rejecting it. He laments for them because the wrath of God for their sin is coming. It's coming upon them. It's coming soon. It's even now at the door. The people don't want to hear it. Jeremiah begins our reading with this interesting saying, Oh Yahweh, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. <laughs> it's like, what is he talking about? It has to do with the idea that God has called him as a prophet. And you would expect God to be with the prophet. You would expect the words of the prophet that God puts in your mouth to be accepted by the people. After all, he's speaking for Yahweh, and yet it's not happening. And the people are down on Jeremiah, and they're wanting to kill him. And so he weeps, and he says, God, you deceived me. I was deceived. That the Hebrew words here have to do with being coaxed, coerced. It's almost like God said, come on, Jeremiah, you can do it. You can be my prophet. Everything will be okay. Jeremiah said, okay. Everything's not okay. You are stronger than I, Jeremiah says. You have prevailed. God has made him his prophet. God wins. <laughs> Jeremiah loses. He did become a prophet, and he 
faithfully spoke God's word to the people as he was supposed to do, calling them to repent of their sin. But again, that word is rejected. And this reading comes right after Jeremiah has been in the stocks, literally in the stocks. He was there for a night, and so he becomes a laughing stock. That's, I guess, where that word comes from. Haven't thought much about that. Uh, you put him in the stocks, and everybody in the town can ridicule you. There you are. So Jeremiah is a laughing stock, and the people are mocking him. The truth of God's word, the, the word that Jeremiah brings to the people, brings Jeremiah nothing but trouble. Nothing but humiliation. And still Jeremiah says, I have to speak. He doesn't want to do it. It would be a lot easier if he just gave up and left. He'd kind of like to shut God's word up in his heart. But he says that if he does that, it becomes like a burning fire within him. He's got to let it out. He has to speak. He hears whispering. He hears people plotting against him. He finds terror on every side. His friends are saying, denounce him, denounce him. They look for an opportunity to overcome him, to take their revenge on him. Poor Jeremiah. God sent Jeremiah because he loved his people. God wanted his people to repent, wanted them to turn back to him. Stop going after other gods. And God sent Jeremiah to speak words of hope, too. Jeremiah says uh, of God, these are God's words, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Beautiful words for us today, too. And then Jeremiah later on says, I will, God says, I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. Every time God calls his people to repentance, every time he tells them, I'm going to send calamity upon you, there's always a word of grace there too. Sometimes we find ourselves needing that same word of hope, that God has a plan for us to give us a hope and a future. We find ourselves very often in the same position that Jeremiah did, especially more and more today as we hear whisperings about uh, ridicule, right, for us being Christians, for holding a confession that says that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only Savior from sin, that there is no other, that believing that the Word of God from Genesis and creation through the flood narrative to the fact that revelation is going to happen, Jesus is going to come back and there's going to be judgment for sin, we find ourselves laughingstocks today. Ten Commandments taken out of our society, right? They don't hold sway anymore. Crosses are removed as symbols of intolerance. Christians maybe are going to be more and more labeled as haters because of the message that they bring, because of the message of repentance that God gives us, puts in our mouths to speak. 
We've seen Christians sued for the cakes they will not make. Florist shops that deny service to someone because it would be um, giving credence to a lifestyle that we know is wrong. It might be more and more difficult to witness our faith, even, even to people we know, even in our own families sometimes, as that witness may be taken as pious condemnation. And Jesus tells his disciples to expect the same kind of persecution that Jeremiah received. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Sounds pretty bad. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. It's amazing that the disciples didn't say, okay, see ya. It's getting a little bit too difficult for us. But Jesus says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, which is another name for Satan, how much more will they malign those of his household? That's the disciples, that's you and me. God has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for the church. He had a purpose for those disciples. He didn't leave us here, this, the church. He didn't leave it here uh, so that we could fit in with the multitudes. Through the church, God speaks a different word than you'll hear in culture. A different word than the world does. A higher word. A, a, an ancient word. An eternal word that will always prove to be true. A word that doesn't fit with the ebb and flow of the tides of popular morality. A word that harkens back to the very beginning of time, back to that first word that God pronounced to Adam and Eve that he would send a savior to overcome, to set right what our first parents got wrong. And that word that the church speaks is for every time, for every culture, friendly or hostile. It's a word of love. It's a word of love for God's children. And the word will not go unheard. It will not be bottled up. People have tried to do that. Communist countries burned Bibles. Other books that told about God's love put Christians in prison, killed them, made church illegal. Pastors, parishioners have been put in prison, put to death. But God's gospel word of love is not shut up. God won't let it be contained. He'll not allow his word to return to him empty and void, but it will always accomplish that for which he sends it. It doesn't mean that we'll escape the wrath of unbelievers, but Jesus has words of hope for us too. Have no fear of them, he says. And in John, he says, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jeremiah writes, The Lord, that's Yahweh, Yahweh will, is with me as a dread warrior. You picture 
<laughs> maybe King David, maybe Goliath. I don't know. Some, you know, Goliath spread dread in all of his enemies. The Lord, Yahweh, is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. Jeremiah has confidence in God. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. If Yahweh is with us, who can be against us? This image that Jeremiah presents of God, this dread warrior, a warrior who is strong, who is mighty, invincible. Yahweh is with us. He is invincible. He will not allow unbelievers or the politically correct or the machinations of a changing society or even Satan himself. He will not allow anything to overcome us. None of these will succeed against our God. They will not succeed against his word or against his love that he has for us in Christ Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples not to fear the world, not to fear those who reject the message. The worst they can do is kill the body. But this dread warrior Yahweh is one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Therefore, listen to his message. Listen to his word to you. And it's not a word of condemnation. Jesus in our gospel lesson that's recorded here by St. Matthew, he seems to have the same experiences that Jeremiah did 600 years before him. Like Jeremiah, Jesus is bringing God's word to the people, calling them to repent, to believe in him. He is the one who is to come. And Jesus, unlike Jeremiah, was not coerced by God. He came willingly. He came joyfully, knowing that his fate would be the same as Jeremiah's. Jesus came to redeem Israel and all people from their sins. He was born as a man with flesh and blood so that he could offer that flesh and blood as a sacrifice for sin, the sacrifice that would appease the wrath of God. And like Jeremiah, Jesus was mocked. He became a laughingstock. And the truth he spoke to the people brought him nothing but reproach and derision. And there were whisperings, you know, against Jesus too. And the people plotted against him. And they denounced him over and over again. And they looked for an opportunity to overcome him, to take him away, to get their revenge on him. And they found that opportunity, of course, in Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. The leaders of the people, they arrested Jesus under the cover of night outside the city. They, they held a secret, illegal midnight trial. By morning, Jesus was condemned to death. He was beaten, he was flogged, lashed with cruel cords that had bits of stone and metal tied to them to rip away the flesh. He was ridiculed and humiliated and made to carry his cross through the streets of Jerusalem and out to the hill. We don't know exactly how Jeremiah died. It's difficult to ascertain that. There's some evidence that he died at the hands of his countrymen. 
uh, who stoned him to death because they didn't like his message. That's the best evidence that we have. But it's no mystery how Jesus died. His death is well attested. Many eyewitnesses. He died at the hands of his countrymen too. Jeremiah portrays God as a dread warrior. But unbelievably and incomprehensively, this dread warrior, rather than doing what he should do, which is strike us down for our sin, because we are evil also in our flesh, instead this dread warrior destroys the sin within us, sweeps it away by an unexpected sacrifice. This dread warrior swings his mighty sword and sweeps away our guilt, our condemnation, as the sword strikes Christ. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God calls us back to himself. This dread warrior fights not against us, but for us. And Jesus describes the love of this dread warrior for you, the love of the all-powerful God. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is, this is what the dread warrior thinks of you. And did you hear the term that Jesus uses for Jeremiah's dread warrior? It was in there. It's in that reading right there. Jesus called this dread warrior your father. The psalm appointed for today is Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. For the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's a psalm that we were able to share with Jenny's dad. 
in his last hours. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because, see, it doesn't matter what happens in this life, even if your body dies. <laughs> what matters is that the dread warrior is your father. So don't listen to the tempter who would have you think that God doesn't know your troubles. Because he does. He knows you so well that he even knows the hairs on your head. He is your dear Father in heaven, who by his mighty power has swept away sin. And death and hell for all of us. He gives you his own spirit to dwell in your heart. And to point you to your good shepherd who guides your way. Guides you through the dark valleys. To springs of living water who points you to Christ, who gives you his own body and blood in the sacrament, who forgives all your sins and who is, even now, preparing a place in heaven for you, that you may be with him forevermore. See, the great news is that God loves sinners. Last Sunday, we gave thanks for our earthly fathers. We give thanks every Sunday for our Heavenly Father. Because the love that we find in our earthly fathers is just a small foretaste of the love that we find in our Heavenly One. For that love that God poured out in Christ. We join with Jeremiah and all the saints in singing God's praises forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.